Welcome to Grow Your Creative Agency, a podcast. Nate, Nate. Yeah? It's not, not going to work, not man. not going to work. Okay. Hey, this is Eric Parnell, owner of the Northwest Collective. And Nate Kupish, owner of Blastoff Studio. Has your creative agency plateaued? Or are you growing slowly and ready to scale up faster? Or maybe you're just ready to give up and get a nine to five. Listen in as we chat with founders who have successfully built up their own creative agencies. Join us as we learn how to get the clients you want, generate greater revenue, and develop a sustainable business model that makes you more productive and less stressed. So what's up, dude? What's been going on lately? Well, let's see. I tend to take a pretty positive outlook on life. This week was a little interesting. Monday, traveled to Portland for a client to do a shoot. Oh, yeah. How'd that go? It was... It was pretty good. There were some technical difficulties on their end with, we were essentially filming um, an app release. They're, they're releasing like an app. And so I was doing like a real life filming. Well, um, but then on the way there, I kind of felt my throat get a little tingly uh-uh. and I don't get sick. I'm like one of those. Yeah. Every five years I get a cold. I, I haven't thrown up since I was like in middle school, you know, like uh-huh. I pride myself on not getting sick. And, um, it, but anyway, yeah, I started feeling it. And then by the time I got home, I was like, oh, shoot. I totally Go got on. Wednesday in bed the entire day. Thursday felt a little better, sat on my computer, but I definitely stayed in my in my uh, shorts and T-shirt. And But uh, yeah, man, how was yeah. your week? It was good. Um, didn't you say you were doing a like a CrossFit competition this weekend? Oh, yeah. I'm supposed to be doing a CrossFit competition tomorrow. Uh, who was it? I was talking to... Um, Caleb, who goes to your gym. Oh yeah, he's like, dude, Nate's. He's like, he's like lifting the most out of everybody in the class. He's <laughs> no. really good. Well, okay, yeah, pick your class time, but no, yeah, no. Um, well, I actually went to. I haven't told you this, but um, I went to Type Forty Four on Ooh. Wednesday. No way. Yeah, did the three thirty class and what? tried it out. Yeah. So you're uh, telling me while I was in bed, I've been trying to get you there for a year, and then you choose <laughs> the one day I'm sick. Yeah. Uh, well, I was kind of hoping I might just run into you because I wasn't sure if I was going to go. You know, I've been on the fence. Oh, my gosh. Um, but, yeah, I decided What'd to try you it out. It was cool. It was really good. I, I admittedly went kind of half throttle mm-hmm. because um, I've done that enough over the years where yeah. you get into the gym after not working out for a while and yeah. you can't walk for a week. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I kind of... Took it easy, you know, maybe saved a little too much in the tank, but um, it was you gonna, fun. You going to come back? Yeah, I wanted to go today after this, okay. actually, but the, I think they're closed. Maybe they're prepping for the... Yeah, the gym's all set up for the comp tomorrow. Oh, okay. So this is definitely an ad at this point. I will say, <laughs> best gym I have ever been a part of, Type 44. If you're in the Bend area, Central Oregon area, it's an incredible community of people. The no, workouts well, are... Now I have to keep going. If you're inviting Dude. listeners to go... Tell them yeah. Nate Nate sent you. Yep. So, okay. Well, I love those people. Yeah. So it's been but, fun. Yeah, your week. So you did that on Wednesday. Yeah. It's been kind of crazy. We, uh, I, I shared, you know, how earlier this year was slower and, uh-huh. um, you know, it was just, we we're just kind of going after whatever work we could get coming our way. But for whatever reason, this fall just hit hard and we got a ton of work coming in and then kind of carried on through winter and um it's been a busy season um and i've i've kind of you know brought on another staff member and so we have some 
increased expenses because of the work. So it's not like I'm rolling in it, but it's promising that, um, you know, there's some momentum uh, behind what we're doing. So, but it, it's exciting and stressful at the same time. You know, it's just a lot, a lot more meetings, a lot more management. Um, you know, it's it's been kind of heavy. So this was one of those weeks where it was like my entire week was booked out with meetings. I or know. I tried work. to get on your schedule. Yeah. And pretty soon you're going to send me through a, uh, through an assistant. Talk to my receptionist. That's right. <laughs> no, I'm not uh, even going to have your real phone number. Am I? Y- you are. I'm gonna, Eric, I'm why does your number on, start uh, it with 1-800? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm working on going the opposite direction, getting more free time. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's all exciting stuff. It's just um, been a bit heavier where things are very packed and um, the stakes are kind of high on wanting to bring in new work, but also still doing a good job for our existing clients. Um, I definitely can get shiny object syndrome. So the next biggest, better job, all of a sudden the one job I was excited about, um, you know, is less appealing and I still have a lot of work to do on pre-production or prepping for the shoot. And I want to just focus on the next cool thing. But, um, not that I do. I, I've, I've been pretty good about like, okay, we need to maintain our quality and promise, you know, deliver on what we promised to this past client, but it just feels a lot more like work. Um, which I guess it is. That's what we're doing. That's it's our job. Doing. That's right. It's not all fun and games. Today, Eric and I are going to have a conversation, and we're going to share a few things that we've been learning and gleaning from, A, our guests, uh, but B, things that we've been reading and watching and implementing into our own small business creative agencies. Yeah, I think Nate and I both, when we started this podcast, were saying, hey, we're not the Grow Your Agency experts, um, but we are learning. Um, We are growing ourselves. So we're having guests who really know their way around agency growth, and mm-hmm. um, we're learning in that way. But also, we thought it may be interested for our audience to be able to track with us as we're growing along the way ourselves in our own agencies. So today's a little bit about that, just kind of where we're at and uh, what we're what we're doing along the way. Yeah, and maybe a little bit of background too, so that you uh, can know a bit about us. So for me. Um, I had worked for Apple for about five years, uh, kind of did a whole bunch of different roles within the retail world, um, did some new store openings in Sydney, Australia, over in Idaho, and, and helped train people there. And then for about 10 years, I worked with young people and college students in a pastoral role while also being a creative director. Um, And then I went back to Apple, funny enough, and did some Apple corporate work as an instructional designer and absolutely loved that. It was a blast. But at the beginning of this, um, excuse me, actually 2022, I branched out and thought, boy, you know, the the lifestyle that I really would love to have, if it's possible, uh, would be one of flexibility so that I could spend time with my kids. That was was ultimately kind of where I began thinking and um, design was something in, in leadership and the creative process is something that I'd done for a while. So um, I took all of my clients that I had on the side and I got a business license and I put it together and I started asking a lot of questions. So for me, I'm, I'm kind of the newbie here. I'm only a year into my own design 
business, Creative Studio. Um, I'm happy to say that actually as of last week, I am uh, a little bit over breaking even, which is pretty cool. So nice. for the last... Uh, for the first six months of, of um, Blast Off Studio, I was pulling a little bit from savings each month, and, and I had some clients um, ahead of time that were side projects that I ramped up, and I was able to give them more. But I'm finally making enough and then have a couple other contracts that are open, so uh, able to start hiring people in a more part-time uh, role. So that's kind of my my background and where I'm at. And if, you know, So if you're newer in that whole world, you and I might be a little closer. And then Eric... Yeah, I've um, been in it longer. You know, we're coming up on 10 years now for Northwest Collective, um, but still have a lot to learn. You know, I feel new in a lot of ways still. Um, I don't come from an agency background. Uh, this I was just the camera guy who started a production company and was learning what that meant along the way. Um and we've we have grown slowly but surely. We're um, a team of four full time employees, um, several part time contractors. Um, but yeah, you know, Nate, I know you said you're newer, but I'm I'm learning from you already. So it's interesting how just the different walks of life have a lot to contribute uh, to this type of work. Um, but yeah, we're we're um, doing commercial work, branded content. Um, as of now, we're not too niched down in any one specific industry, but, um, looking to grow, you know, it's, uh, it's been a a long road, um, but I've never given up on this dream of working for myself and doing what I love. And so, um, it now kind of feels like, uh, a little less sink or swim feels like we're in it. This is working. Um, but I don't want to plat- stay plateaued and just stay stagnant. So mm. that's where I'm coming from. In reference to that sink or swim thing, that kind of reminded me, and, and I have a cold, by the way, so sorry, I'm going to do my best to not do the sniffles or anything. Um, that, that whole sink and swim concept, it, it kind of jogged my memory to realize, you know, everyone that I read and listened to before starting my own small business said until you start your business it's it's hard to know what it'll be like but you will be the finance person you'll be the um communications you know you'll do sales you'll do marketing you'll do all the pieces and i had heard that and heard that and heard that but uh sink and swim kind of made me think gosh it's kind of like explaining what it feels like to swim to someone who's never been in water like you just have to go and be there to actually but i'm feeling that i'm feeling the the pressures and the stressors and the excitement of doing all these pieces. And so um, if you're listening and you're anywhere, you know, maybe you haven't even started yet and you're just thinking about it or you're one year in like uh, myself or you're 10 years in like Eric or, or more, um, you belong here. We just um, are trying to, to gather some wisdom. But for today, uh, Eric and I are going to share three things each that we've learned, um, somewhat informal here, but over the last say eight, eight, eight months to a year, something like that, that have been really impactful and shaping to our own businesses. And Eric, would you, would you like to start or would you like me to start? Sure. I'll kick us off. All right. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing that came to mind, I think partly from our recent conversations, Nate, about your work and, um, figuring out pricing. Um, yeah, one of the main 
takeaways for me from this past year was to not be afraid to take a look at pricing again. Um, like I said, we've been doing this for a while and I kind of have some standard rates and, you know, know, okay, our creative's going to cost this much, our production's going to be this much. It's probably this many post-production hours where we're doing edits um, and kind of just have that down to where I get a quick idea for quotes. But um, we had a slower season, you know, maybe, yeah, eight months or a year ago. And there was not much work coming in. Like I said, I have staff, so my overhead is is decent, you know, not like some bigger agencies out there. But for me, carrying it, you know, it really adds up quickly. And I had to think about some of these jobs, you know, that were coming my way and I got an idea for their budget. You know, it could be a job that I would normally price at ten or $15,000. Uh-huh. Um, but talking with the client, figuring out where they're at, what they really have to work with. Some of those were more in the five to $7,000 range. And maybe that's something if we're busy, I would have said, hey, it's not for us, you know, best of luck or, or refer them to somebody else. But it was during a time where it was like, well, we need this. So what am I going to do to make a product that works for their goals and also is still profitable for us. So for me, pricing was interesting this past year um, and and taking another look at it for how can we be efficient enough that we can still do this job in, in a good way and get them what they're looking for, but maybe not the same way that mm-hmm. we did it in the past um, to, to get it into that price range where they needed. That's good. Um, I had something ex- similar to that, Eric, I did a quote uh, not too long ago, maybe a week and a half ago, and what the client wanted, and actually I think it was you that walked me through how to go about this, what the client wanted was going to cost, um, we'll just say 100 uh, and realistically though, when I ran, excuse me, when I ran my numbers, it would essentially cost 100 That was kind of behind closed doors, what my hours, my overhead, all that would be. But realistically, there hundred thousand. Um, sure, I'm just using a, a, oh, okay. a random I was number. Say, that's a big number. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. It was actually pretty close to that. It's okay. it's a year long uh, piece of work and all that. Nice. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. But the reality is, they wanted to stick with more of like that fifty to sixty range, and um, and I think that's really important not to close the door and go, yeah, we're, this isn't going to work for us. But instead to say, okay, fantastic, this is what you wanted, I have a tendency as I'm learning to kind of shut down and go, oh, dang it, like, I can't do it for that much. Um, And then almost be so discouraged that I don't move forward, but instead did a proposal where there is three options and the entry-level option included less than they wanted, but it was at their budget. So for instance, instead of being three short videos a week for the social channel, which was one of their asks, it was limited down to like one video a week. And then Mm -hmm. the middle option included two and the price jumped. And then there was a high option, which was outside of the assumed budget and it had all three. But what was funny is when I sent the proposal over, Two minutes later, I got an email that said the top proposal is is perfect. So it was higher than the budget, but they saw, I guess, you know, they saw the value and the flexing of it. So 
I, I align a lot with what you just said, Eric. And, and interestingly enough, um, I think one of mine is going to be pretty similar. One of the points that I'm going to share about what I've been learning, um, is going to share it. So yeah, that's a good one. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you never really know well, you know, when it's time they, they may, uh, share their, I hope the budget is this range and really they have more to work with and, um, that's always a delicate dance uh, with the client. But, um, yeah, you, you kind of got to know when to mm. try to try to get the job and try to close the deal and when to stick to your guns and say, well, what you need is going to cost this. And so if you want us, it's going to be at this level. Sure. Uh, also on that, Eric, finding out the budget and writing it down in that conversation, how critical that has been. Um, in conversations I've had with people where they're in introductory sessions to find out what it is they want so that I can do a proposal with them, twice now I've left that meeting going, oh, no, I didn't write down their budget. I think it's this. And, you know, when you're doing a proposal, you got to know, like, that number. Yeah. And... and uh, well, I rarely get the number, honestly. I mean, we'll we'll ask, and it's almost always, mm. um, well, you know, I just have no idea what something like this costs. Okay. And uh, I don't know. I, I guess in doing design work, maybe people have a better idea for it. I don't know. I don't have those conversations. But for video, I know they're just often, uh, unless it's an agency partnership, you know, of course, they have a better idea. But if it's direct to a business, they're often saying, yeah, gee, I, I just, and I'm, I'm sure they do have a number in mind, but mm-hmm. they, they don't want to share it. So, um, yeah, sometimes I'll, I'll push it a little bit to, to try to get some information out of them, but often we're shooting in the dark. Fascinating. I want, yeah, I wonder what our listeners range of experiences is, um, yeah, if you have have some good tactics for that. I did hear one um, from another video guy actually one time. One of his tactics was like, just throw 50 out there and and they're going to come up with an answer real quick. If they say, oh yeah, I have no idea what this costs. And you say, well, you must have some idea. I mean, are we talking 50? It's like, then they usually would say, oh no, actually we're in the more, you know, 20 to 30 range or 10 to 20 range. Yeah, to help them. Um, yeah, but he said, uh, you know, he he did that on a client, and what is it like fifty? And they're like, yeah, about that. And he's like, dang, I should have gone higher. Yeah, yeah. See, that would be <laughs> the hard thing about that for me. I I've uh, been using and have been it's been helpful. The statement, what are you looking to invest, or what do you have to invest into this work? Mm. Um, and that's just to get a ballpark. And I clarify with them, you know, we don't need to talk about dollar amount down to the penny, but is, just like you said, Eric, is this something that you're looking to put 5000 into or 30000 you know, something like that. And mm-hmm. and in that case, I, I try and use a very low number and a very high number so that they can see the swing. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Yeah, it's tricky because you're, I mean, it sound, by saying what's your budget, it kind of sounds like you want as much budget as you can get, uh-huh. which is not always the case. I mean, if it's going to be a ton of work uh, right. and you could be, quicker or more efficient at a different type of project you don't always want everything they've they've got on their wish list mm-hmm. um but yeah it 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 is definitely scalable because there's a lot of different ways you could tackle the project so if in my case if they want a 90 second brand video are we talking 
six locations around the state, you know, which is going to be a multi-day shoot. Mm-hmm. Are we talking hired agency talent? Or is this you at your office, you know, for a half day shoot? You know, so there's varying degrees of complexity, um, which which knowing their budget does help. And have you found, Eric, in your line of work with videography and film production, have you found cookie cutter templates to be helpful in pricing or do you have custom conversations with everyone? Right now we have custom conversations with everyone. Um, Yeah, I, I have often thought about like, okay, well, we could keep our higher tier work but also have maybe some product-based offering, like you get, you know, X amount of shoot hours, two locations, you know, one talent or name pinning down the variables mm-hmm. um, and put some pricing around that, which I think would be helpful for like smaller businesses, um, companies who maybe don't have as much marketing budget. Um, and then if we did make it pretty specific, that makes it more repeatable, which is more efficient for us, and we can handle more of those. Um, but I, I actually have not gone down that road yet. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's so many ways to do it. And and then there's all, you know, people do it different ways. And then there's the argument of, well, are we artists or are we entrepreneurs? Are we doing this to create unique, wonderful one-off pieces that take everything you know, bit of energy we have, or are we looking to build something scalable and make a million dollars? And for you and I, I I feel like there's kind of a balance. We're not in this because we want to be the richest people in the world by any means. Um, We just love what we do and it's, it's providing for us, but yeah, definitely. I I don't want to be the video factory. Yeah. That's, that's, that's an important distinction as an individual. So flexible pricing for you, Eric, I like that as your first um, big learn, you know, I, my first one is similar in the sense, I would say it this way, I'd say identify the season that we're in. So for me, the last two months specifically, I recognized I was in a lead generation season. I needed to generate more leads. I was doing proposals. I was having jobs come through, but I needed more leads so that there'd be more work. And in doing so, I needed to be willing then to be able to flex on my systems or my rates. Um, so I had done two proposals specifically that I'm thinking of for local companies here in Bend in the last two months. And they were they were priced very reasonably, in my opinion. I do think, th- but they, neither of them went through. And they kind of did the whole ghosting thing, which is a little bit mind-blowing that people aren't oh more gosh. like after an actual hour or two with with an individual to just not reply it seems just odd to me i hate it but um but regardless uh you know and following up after uh, a week or so and then after two weeks and trying to figure out really the only thing i could f- um think about was potentially it was higher than they had wanted uh price wise and in my mind it, i was thinking well I'll just wait Till someone on the bigger project says yes, because I'd rather do that than three little projects. But mm-hmm. I, if I were to go back, I would have potentially lowered those costs, even though it would have been less than normal. My fear would have been that they'll tell other people that my rate is that number, which mm-hmm. is lower, and then it's going to be difficult to grow. 
But the reality is those relationships very well may have been roots that could have gone to other people and it may have been worth doing the work for less to get more relationships. So in summary, I think I would just say uh, identifying the season that, that you're in, for me, in that time period, it was lead generation, which would then make me more flexible on my systems, my costs, all that. And it's it's pretty similar to what you were saying, being flexible around pricing. Yeah, that is. That's interesting. I, I'll say, uh, I think I can only remember one time when I was having a client conversation, talking about their project. Mm. And they said, well, I know what you did, because I asked them about their budget. And they said, well, I know what you did for so-and-so. Um, and that's been a few years, so I'm sure your rates have gone up a little bit. And in that particular time, so-and-so was kind of a friend deal. And so I was like, uh-oh, he's using that as a point of reference. <laughs> um, but what I ended up doing was just pricing it like I normally would. Um, I, I kind of went with like, oh, geez, do I need to get this down to that range somehow? Um, but I didn't. And presented the proposal and kind of explained, you know, the, the amount of work that would go into it and they went for it anyways. Um, so I wouldn't be too worried about the, the word getting around. I think people realize everything is very customized for their particular needs. So there's not really like a baseline that they could use for comparison. It's true. It's true. Thinking about another industry like homes, for instance, you know, the price of a home is going to be quite, quite large variant. Yeah. But oh, it's yeah. still a two bedroom, three bath or, you know, or whatever, but the variants are wide. And so our, our industry is even more like that. And it's, it's interesting to me that in the design video photo world, that pricing is gray and it's ambiguous and it's, it's based on skill, what type of, of product you can produce, but it's also based on what value it is to the customer. There's just so many variables. I think this yeah. is one thing I love about this podcast is we're trying to learn this, what works for us and, and hopefully what works for, for the listeners too. Um, I heard a quote the other day, Eric, and I, I wonder if this, how this sits with you, but that we're not to be in the outcome business. In other words, when we do our proposals, we do it well, we cover all the bases, we do our best to solve all of their needs and wants and desires and problems in the content that we can give them. But at the end of the day, it's not our job to be in the outcome business. They, We don't know what they're thinking. And even even thinking about these two companies it, I did the proposal for, I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they put it in a, uh, in a hold, you know, while they're gathering budget and just haven't replied to an email we, there's mm -hmm. just no way to know so keeping staying up at night worrying about the outcome of a project uh, proposal is is really just a waste of time so just yeah. doing good work and moving forward i think yeah how does I that think, sit with you uh you know sales sales people are good about this where they're kind of tracking their total metrics rather than just the conversions um the conversions are important but they know you know if i do uh you know 20 meetings or 100 calls or whatever it is, the, the ratio of those that close will be around, you know, whatever it is, 5% or 10%. Um, so they focus more on doing the work of making those calls or having those meetings rather than just worrying about the specific ones that convert, which I think is a good approach. I like that. I like that. That takes a lot of stress off of us. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I'll uh, I'll take the second one then. You shared about about flexible pricing, and then I jumped over to identifying the season and that our businesses are in, and then that dictating um, how we work. But I think my second one is around a quote and a concept that I was reading um, by Donald Miller this past week. And one of his points was don't live confused or don't choose to live confused. And his idea was really simple and I thought it was really profound. And it was that when we have lists of things we need to do and that list, I don't know about you, but I have lists of things that I put off. And the more time I put them off, the more anxiety gets tacked onto those things. Although they're such little things and so simple that if I were just to do them, they would be done. Mm-hmm. And one of and what he was saying was, if you know what needs to get done, don't choose to put things off. Don't choose to live c- confused. If you know that someone needs to not work, you, you need to not work with someone anymore, but you feel a tie to them, you know, out of whatever, whatever obligation, but you know what you need to do and that is not hire them again or whatever it is, then just do it. Like, don't choose to live confused. And I thought hmm. that was really helpful, um, specifically around going with my gut when it came to pricing and work. Um, mm-hmm. Because there are there have been quite a few moments where I have spent way, way, way too many hours researching and trying to figure out looking at the artist guild's handbook for pricing and looking on blogs and then that only leads to more confusion because everyone has different opinions and um and at the end of the day a lot of it's just going with your gut and building relationships with clients and finding mm-hmm. out what they're willing to put towards investing in their business with you and um so i yeah i found that to be helpful that's cool yeah it's it's another motivator to take action um, yes yeah that's a good way don't don't live in confusion means you kind of have to deal with your crap <laughs> if you want to not stay in that place um and i like that that could be a good trigger if you find yourself feeling that way or torn it's like okay i need to sit down put in the time to at least figure this out make a decision and move on yep yep that's it what do i need to do and when am i going to make that decision and um, just not to let the list pile up. They just don't. They just don't need to. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So that was my second one. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be thinking about that next time it comes up and uh, how to take action from there. Um, yeah. And for you, our listeners, I mean, hopefully this is uh, a time for you guys too to kind of feel like you're in on these coffee shop type chats that we're having. I know for me. Um, it's been super helpful, even just developing my friendship with Nate, who's another agency owner, and getting to have these talks. You know, how did you handle this? Um, your client said what? You know, stuff like that. It's been really good for me, um, and that's part of our hope with this podcast is if you don't have a lot of those relationships, um, just to be able to listen in on some of these and and contribute too. You know, we'd love to hear questions from the audience um, that we could address and bring up in the pod. Yeah, you can add those questions on our website, growyourcreativeagency.com. Yes, we got that URL. Cool. Which is nice. awesome. So. <laughs> All, All right, right, how about you? What about number three for you? Let's see. Number or, two. I'm, I'm on to two You're here. On two. Yeah. Okay, what was your second one? So for me, um, another kind of big 
learning moment or pivot in this last year was um, adjusting our business model, um, which was kind of major. You know, I'd, I'd been on a certain path for a number of years. And, um, you know, like I shared, for me early on, it was just me with a camera and kind of fell into doing contract work. Um, people knew that I I did video stuff. And so they're like, hey, could you do one for my business or a wedding or whatever, you know? Um, but from there, you know, grew and learned more about... Um, operating a business and marketing and getting into this whole advertising space and learning what industry I was really serving. Um, and it worked to a certain extent. You know, we grew and was able to hire on some staff and had steady work, but I feel like we kind of plateaued at a certain level. Um, and that happened, you know, pre-pandemic. It was a few years ago. Um, and maybe some of that plateau hanging on was just riding it out through the pandemic. But it total revenue-wise, it's been pretty consistent for the last, you know, four years, um, kind of around a certain range. And, you know, I've always kind of had it in mind, like I want to be doing this higher-level work. A um, couple times a year, we'll get to work with some bigger brands, some some names that you know, are recognizable in most households. And those were cool, but it was always like happenstance when we would get those opportunities. And I didn't really have a way to um, consistently go after that kind of work and be chasing the type of commercial work rather than corporate work that I wanted to be doing. Um, so this year I I got strategic about that and started doing some research and um kind of putting some thought into how do I pivot or adjust um, so that we can get to where I want to be ultimately. Um, and I really resonated with uh, what Ryan shared on episode one, um, where he was talking about how agencies kind of have to um, redo what they offer every two and a half years or so. They kind of go through a transformation um, you know, whether that's adding new staff or adding new services and, um, adjusting. And so I guess maybe I was, I was slow to, to do that, but we're going through it now. Um, and it's, it's an exciting time. It seems like it has a lot of promise. Um, some of these adjustments we're making, um, but time will tell. Do you want to share any of that and kind of how you're restructuring and sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, largely we have been more business to business, um, you know, doing uh, actual TV commercials, whether that's local, regional, um, very little on a national level, but um, also branded content, um, brand videos. You know, the most popular product is kind of a, that website, who we are type video. Um, but... I, I love the commercial work that we got to do. Um, putting spots in f or putting spots together for companies that have a, a product or service. And I don't know, for me, there's there's some kind of appeal towards working with recognized companies. You know, if, if I tell my buddies, hey, we're doing this job for, 
you know, Microsoft or Anheuser-Busch, they're like, oh, wow, that's crazy, cool. You know, where if I'm like, oh, we're doing it for, um, you know, XYZ door D- company. Yeah. It, it's less exciting. I don't know. It it could be, it could be good work, um, but I don't know. Maybe it's just stroking my ego. There's something about that that I like. Um, and also those types of companies often I found had budgets to where we could do the type of work that I wanted to do where we're bringing in an art director and we're, um, you know, having, having bigger production, better gear, bigger crew. Yeah. Just, I guess more of the like film type work that I was originally drawn to in this industry. So, um, yeah, to make that pivot, we are bringing on a roster of directors um, rather than myself. Uh, to start, we are bringing on two other directors, um, Eric Close. Uh, he's an actor, um, but he actually lives here in town and has a lot of good directing experience. Um, another guy, Eli Odegaard, he's another director, um, also based out of Ben, but's done some some great commercial work and his business is kind of shifting um, and but he's certainly looking for to continue in commercial work as well and so um, we're we're reshaping to you know not just be the the Eric show and have me be the one behind the camera on everything but really be a production company that supports directors in their vision and um, what they could bring to particular clients. Um, so the other part of that, though, is we're also becoming very agency partner focused. Um, so in the past where we've done a lot of business to business work, um, often having to do brand development in that process and, and work with the client in that area just to get them a successful video um, we're realizing that it's it would be best for us to partner with agencies who've already done brand work they already know the company their clients target audience and we can come in and kind of execute um, so yeah that's that's our big shift is um, kind of developing as a production company that supports our directors and bringing more directors on um, and then also being very agency partnership focused. And the hope is that that will allow us to scale beyond where we are. Yeah, that's neat. It's very niche to the industry that you're in. It's going to allow clients, though, also to have a wider range of options. It's not just the Northwest Collective look and feel, but now because there's multiple directors in that roster, there's different styles and um, and I could see that being, yeah, and I hope uh, through all of our conversations, we definitely, I, I agree with you that it's way more scalable model and potentially even more fun too, because you're getting to do things with other people. So yeah, yeah. That's it's neat. been fun so far. We, we, uh, yeah, just did like company headshots yesterday and the other directors came out and of course you were there with us getting your sweet mug shot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was fun just to kind of have the crew and you know Eric's telling stories about working with Clint Eastwood and it was just kind of a new energy um which was a lot of fun yeah yeah each of you directors have such a unique area of influence I mean Eric 
see he's what he's like the cbs hallmark guy he's done films yeah, for yeah. The, them and network television network and, mm-hmm. um, and film and then eli's done more like outside just yeah. called outside right outside outdoor tv kind of stuff yep. um episodic work also a good amount of commercial you know samsung and lg and facebook mm-hmm. um so he's he's got some great experience. And then you as a director have gotten to work with Visit Central Oregon and some different commercials for products and Yeah. Yep. So together you have quite a quite a range in within that studio. Yeah, and that's what I'm hoping is is kind of different flavors uh for different clients. Yeah. So my third was in working with clients. I'm I'm personally been hearing this in different ways and trying to implement it, but it's focusing on the benefits that I'm, or, or Blast Off Studio as, a, as an organization. Even though we're newer, I still have about five or six co- subcontractors that work with me in specific areas where it's not my strength, um, such as like motion design. I, I can do it, but I have a guy who's better at it than me and, and I enjoy working with him, so he does it. But it's to focus on the benefits over the details. So... I think the first couple months, the proposals that I put out were, uh, they were done by a doctor. Like they were down to every detail, every um, I was dotted and T was crossed. And they were detail centric because I thought that's what the client wants. And I'm sure that there are clients that appreciate that. But just even in this last year, I've come to recognize that when someone is willing to exchange their resources for some sort of product or service, it's ultimately so that they can move forward in some problems. You know, it's to be a solution to some problem in their business or life. So when someone comes to me and says, we need uh, you to help build our, our brand, um, a visible brand, um, our tonal our tonal brand, so the, the voice of the company, the messaging, the website to get these videos and this design work, blah, blah, blah. At the end of the day, they're basically saying, I can't move forward and build my business, which is what I want to do, until I have this in place. So my proposal needs to be less about, we're going to do this, 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 and more about, oh yeah, we can give you those things so that you can move forward. Here's what it's going to look like. And I'm finding that the details get worked out in the in the actual process of doing the work rather than needing to be all disclosed up front because I think I may have um I don't necessarily think I scared people away but I had to to go and and kind of summarize some really long lists of details to people when really all they wanted was a sentence or two of yes we can make that happen for you. Hmm. So my third one was to is to focus on the benefits over the details. Um and just to find a healthy balance of those two. Nice. Yeah, that's good. I think that's definitely kind of a personality thing because I find myself being naturally short on details mm. and um, more just vision focused. And uh, here's where we're going to take you. Um, so that's good. To well, <laughs> that's a good, yes. Yeah, and that's good. I mean, I, full disclosure, I, I take a, a little tiny pill every night for my OCD, right? And it's to help the, uh, I think it's the overproduction of serotonin or whatever. And that's how it affects me, but I can get so locked in on details. So maybe that's why we're good friends. Cause we're so different in that way. Yeah. That's yeah. a good design superpower though. It can be. Yeah. Just go off my pills and get really detail oriented <laughs> for like a week and then get back. Like out. this client needs it no. perfect. I'm going <laughs> yeah. off the meds. No, no, no not <laughs> worth it. No, that's I get. Funny. It feels like I got ten cups of coffee in me when I'm not taking those. 
Wow. Yeah, I need, I need some of what your <laughs> brain is producing. But that's that's what this relationship is about. That's right. Yeah. Good segue. Um, so my third takeaway is, um, and, and kind of shift this last year, is getting around other agency owners. Mm. So, yeah, just our um, friendship, you know, has been really good. And like I already mentioned, just being able to talk about about clients and about specific issues that we're facing um, has been really healthy for me. Um, and it's kind of the impetus for this podcast. You know, it's like, wow, that's been really great to talk shop. You know, we'd love to talk with other agency owners. And so getting guests on the show that we can interview and um, pick their brains about what's working, what's not working um, has been really good. But yeah, just... Um, being in those conversations, I'm also in um, a peer mentorship group uh, here in Bend called Opportunity Knox, and my group is the uh, Innovative Marketing Group, and so a lot of agency owners in that group as well. Um, and it's it's not that I'm always solving my particular problems, but just hearing people from the same industry and similar challenges that I'm facing often brings perspective um, and or, or insights that could make me more efficient um, or even relationships for new leads and new opportunities. Um, so it's been really good. I think, you know, for a long time, I was just really focused on doing the work and not really coming from, you know, I don't have a marketing degree. I don't have an agency background. So I just... I think I felt like I didn't really belong in those circles before um, and just was like, well, I'm just going to make cool videos and do good by my clients. But um, honestly, this last year in surrounding myself with some other agency owners and being intentional about that, it's been super good for my business and just me personally. Um, so yeah, that's one, another one of my big takeaways. That's great, Eric. And would you... I know it's a, it's a vastly unhelpful often um, dichotomy, but would you consider yourself more of an introvert or an extrovert? I consider myself uh, pretty 50-50. Um, I, yeah, I think naturally I'm probably more introverted, but the interesting thing is that I really enjoy being around new people or other people um, and, and in groups oftentimes. Um, so I'm, I guess, uh, I lean towards wanting to be surrounded by other people, but if I do it too much, I really start to shut down and I have to get that introvert time as well. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of an ambient ambidextrous in that sense, not ambient. <laughs> wow. Nice. That's, that's neat. Um, on our next podcast, we did an interview with um, a guy named Micah, and he was an agency owner, and, and we're working on editing that, and so that'll go up next. But anyway, his big thing, as you'll get to hear, was relationships is everything. And one of the things that I've found helpful, Eric, with you and, and how we're navigating our businesses together is you've been getting me in front of people because I'm, I'm definitely more of an introvert. Um, as a as a teacher, I used to have no problem standing up in front of hundreds of people and teaching. As long as I'm in charge, I can mm -hmm. do groups. But if I'm in that room, I want to be in the back of back row. I don't want to mm -hmm. be seen. And so I'm either like 
I want to be in the very front or I don't want to be there. And so I think I tend to want to stay behind my computer more and do the work, but you've been really good about bringing, drawing me out to meet people, to be in settings. You work in a, you have your own office, but it's within, you have like a a dedicated office within a co-working space. And yet you choose to be outside of that closed door office and actually in with all the other people Mm -hmm. throughout the week. And I've asked you about that and why you do that. And uh, you have some of your editors and and other staffers in the office office, but, and you just say it's because you love being around the people. And I I realize, gosh, the the value of that. And um, going back to kind of that whole thing, Mike was saying relationships, everything is, I have found that true as well. Like you either get jobs by being the best at SEO and ads, but Mm -hmm. then you have no relationship. So you're starting at ground zero or you meet someone, they find out what you're good at they put that in their back pocket and then when they have that need or hear of that need, your name's brought out and that is just the best way. Um, I mean, my favorite work over this last year, um, and again, I've been, yes, Blastoff Studio is only a year old, but I've been doing side work and, and having freelance stuff for 15 years. My best and most favorite projects are all the relationship ones mm. and then that's where all the other work comes from. Um, the few that I've had that were just, they found me online, that type of thing. It, they're drier. They're harder because there's nothing there yeah. to, to get started. So I like that. Yeah, it's definitely an, an old piece of advice that I've heard for a long time is it's all who you know. Um, but I, I don't think I took it too seriously until more recently. And um, it's true. I, I mean, I see it even on the other side of things. Um, we We get emails, you know, there's so many people who want to work in video production now, it seems like, um, probably all creative services. I'm sure it's similar for you, but I'll get an email almost every week from another, uh, cinematographer shooter. Who's like, Hey, can I send you my reel? If you guys ever need someone, I'd love to work with you. Um, and you know, almost all the time it's, Sad, sad to say it, but it's just deleted because mm. I'm like, okay, here's another inquiry and been getting them from years. I can't respond to everybody or meet up with everybody or whatever. But um, there, if somebody and and uh, sometimes it's it's beyond that. Like um, it could be somebody who just wants to work on the crew. You know, they're like, hey, I'm ready to be a PA or whatever you need, and. I'm like, okay, yeah, maybe someday, or I might write a nice response, but totally forget about them. But if somebody else comes up to me and says, hey, this is my friend, Brian, Um, they're really great, and they're a PA, just having met them the one time, just having seen their face, yeah, yeah, I'm like 100 times more likely to call on that person, even if they're less qualified, then the person who randomly emailed me, and I have no idea who they are. Um, there's just that simple little vibe check of like, oh, you're not creepy, or you seem like somebody that would get along. We'd get along with fine on set. Um, so yeah, that that small relational piece is is huge. I like that. Um, it makes me think about. You hear me say this all the time, but one of my favorite apps that I use is called Loom, L-O-O-M. Yeah. And it's it's essentially a screen recording app, but what's unique about it for my use case is that 
it's built into the menu bar on the Mac. So I just click it and it starts recording. And it's got a little, you know, live feed of my face in the corner or whatever. So that when someone's watching it, they're looking at my screen recording, but they also see my face as I'm talking. But what's cool is it auto uploads to their server. And so when I hit done, it gives me a link that I can shoot off. And so I don't have to like, you know, do a screen recording in QuickTime and then upload it to Drive or whatever. And then send. it's just all built in. So what I have found really helpful for clients is when I have questions, I do looms. Mm-hmm. I do, and, um, and when I do my proposals, I walk them through the proposal screen recorded on a loom and I send it to them. And I kid you not, every single person I've done that for is like, that was the coolest. I love that. Like, we're not in the same room, but that was so personal. So anyway, a little tip. If you want to, whether you're doing an interview, sending in a resume, doing a proposal, doing a meeting, Loom is awesome. I don't have like yeah. a, I don't have like an access gift code that you can use, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but 10% anyway, off. I, I'm not getting paid Nate for this. But. rules. Yeah, yeah. Loom is great. So it's, it's yeah. a neat tool. Well, that is, uh, you know, one of our selling points and kind of what we use with, with clients in our conversations is um, it's hard, you know, personal relationships are the best, but video is kind of the closest second mm-hmm. to give that sense of who somebody is. Um, so, yeah, ut- utilizing video, I think, is a good idea relationally as much as you can. Hire us. Hire us. Yeah. <laughs> Hire us, please. Well, um, why don't I just do a quick recap of the three that I shared. And then if you would, wouldn't mind giving a quick recap, just bullets of the three you shared and then kind of call it a week this time. But, um, so here we go. So my first one was identify the season that you're in and then be willing to flex your systems and rates around that. And then the second one was, uh, to choose not to live confused. Don't live confused. What do I need to do? And when will I take action on it? And then number three was to focus on benefits over details when working with clients. Nice. Yeah, for me, um, number one was flexible pricing. Um, and, and in particular, not being afraid to go backwards. Um, you know, for a long time, it was rates going up, up. Um, but just to realize, just because they have gone up, it doesn't mean that standard has to be your standard on, our, on every project you work on. Um, so uh, the other one was um, kind of pivoting or adjusting your business model. Um, if if you feel like you're stuck or stagnant, you know, maybe taking a step back and doing some bigger shifts. Um, in our case, it was, um, you know, how we operated the business and who we were targeting. So some pretty, pretty big shifts. But um, yeah, that, that could be what's needed. Number three uh, is, for me, it was getting around other agency owners, but relationships being the key takeaway there. Yeah, all really good things. Um, I hope we, have, actually, Eric and I both hope that there was something in today's conversation where you felt a part of it, where something aligned in you to to find some value. Uh, we would love to hear from you. You can go over to, again, our website, which is growyourcreativeagency.com. You can submit your questions there. You can also join um, the Patreon account to keep this going. If you are finding any value, um, that'd be a a way to support this. Also, if you haven't downloaded the eight-step checklist on our website for growing your creative agency, it's it's totally free, but it's 
it's a big, it's the first volume of what we've gathered from um, funny enough, Ryan, but we've also done some other recordings that haven't come out yet. So we've taken some of the key concepts there and put them into a PDF called Eight Step Checklist to Growing Your Creative Agency. And it's really simple. It's eight. You can print it out, put it on your wall. There's eight things if you do them. Um, Eric and I have both found value in all of the eight things. So you can go to our website and download that for free. But until next time, thanks for tuning in. Yeah, and um, lastly, don't forget to rate us, um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to this. Um, five stars does help us get the word out to other listeners, and uh, we want to grow this community, so your help would be much appreciated. Thanks for listening. <laughs>